Courage is key in overcoming adversity. Without it, Olive Oatman, a teenage girl from a rural Mormon family, would have never survived. Olive lived an unusual life full of tragedy and hardship, yet she overcame it all. Here we are, folks. Today, we'll be talking about Olive Oatman. Do you know anything about Olive Oatman? No. Isn't that the point? Right. You're supposed to right. tell me about people? Right. I don't know anything. I'm just trying to get you engaged. I'm sure my voice gets a little dry. <clears throat> it does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a, a shock amount, folks. Uh, not that that means anything. Anyways, Olive Oatman. Uh, she was born in rural Missouri in the year 1867. I picture some southern music at this point, western, old timing. <laughs> you gonna do music over the music? <laughs> she was one of seven siblings. Her family belonged to the Mormon Church. Her dad was a really prominent figure in the community. His name was Roy's, not Roy. Roy's with an S at the end. Roy's Oatman. Uh, the family had moved Rolled out. Oats? Rolled oatmeal? I'm gonna continue. <laughs> The family moved out to California with a small sect of Mormons. Uh, they, these people were called the Brewster Rites. Why? Well, they were led by this guy, James C. Brewer. It's about Brewster, rather. If I could just fix that now. <laughs> <laughs> James C. Brewster is his name. He was a... Uh, he was looking to reestablish the church in a new region because they had faced some issues in Utah. Um... So the Brewster rights split up and they wanted to move all across the country because they wanted to establish groups in several states all over the area. That was their goal. So Brewster uh, himself led half of the party up north while like to the Washington area, while uh, Roy took the remaining half of the group down south. So he led a party of about 90 people and they were moving towards New Mexico and Arizona. Well, along the way on their journey, a lot of these members gave up in several towns and faced a lot of resistance from people. So they just kind of were like, we're over it. We're done. We're out. Uh, but, there, you know, a good probably 20 remained in the group. And they got as far as what's called the Maricopa Wells, which is an oasis town in southern Arizona. Uh, it's sort of central, but it's still in the southern region. But I wouldn't call, it's not like by the border. It's still a ways from the border of Arizona. Uh, and it's it sits in this valley, which is surrounded by desert. So it's this one little oasis in this massive desert region. So you can imagine people are pretty tired at this point. And the locals... Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Anyways, at this point, the locals in the area warned the Mormons that anything further south was barren and dangerous. There's a bunch of dangerous landscape. There's dangerous animals. And most and of all, what did they decide to do? Well, the biggest threat was a hostile native tribe. So, anyways, everyone in the group that was still with them was like, "Yeah, uh, we're just gonna stay here in this nice, comfy oasis, and we're done. We're done, Roy's. We're not gonna follow you any more south than this." I think that's what I would do. I think we've taken this whole Mormon thing a little too far, and so, <laughs> so he uh, he didn't care though. The warning was enough to convince most of them, but Roy was like, "Well, I'm gonna keep going because this is my expedition." So Levi, Roy Oatman was set, set on continuing. Yep. So he forces his family to continue their expedition. So they go further south into this dangerous terrain. Uh, Roy and Mary, his wife, had seven. He only had one wife. 
Yeah, he only had one life. They had seven Roll kids. Oats and hairy oats. Their kids were ages two to 17. And Olive was kind of in the middle. Uh, she was 14 at the time. So four days into their trip alone into the place where they were told not to go, the family encounters a native tribe. That's weird. They were warned about that. <laughs> well, Roy didn't care. Uh, it's unknown which specific tribe it was, but a lot of historians believe that it was likely a small group of Tonto Apaches. Uh, these natives. How exciting. Yeah. These guys, they tried to barter with the family <clears throat> for food and tobacco, but something happened and it's unclear of what happened. Nobody knows the full story, but an argument ensued and the natives attacked the family, killing everybody except for three of the kids. Um, they bludgeoned 15-year-old Lorenzo, who was her older brother, Olive's older brother, and left him there to die. But despite that, he survived. And they took with them, so they killed everybody. They tried to kill Lorenzo. He survived. And they kidnapped Olive and her younger sister, Marianne, who was seven. So Olive's 14, Marianne's seven, 15-year-old Lorenzo uh, bludgeons almost to death. Lorenzo wakes up, sees his family's dead, notices his sisters are missing. So he walks 90 miles back over four days with little to no supplies and a bunch of major head wounds. Um, And he gets back to the site where he finds the other members that stayed behind. Uh, So they, he gets, he tells them the story. They return to the site, never find his sisters or the tribe, but they bury the family, at least fortunately. Meanwhile, captive on several miles away, in the middle of these mountains where everyone is terrified to go. Olive's there with Marianne. Uh, it's about 10 miles deeper into the woods in the mountains, not woods. It's desert. They're in the mountains. Uh, Lions and tigers and bears. Come on. That's, that's the best. It just reminded me of that's it. The best it reminded me over it's, the river and through the woods uh, and the mountains and the tribes and the Wamapoke and the Apache. This the, is supposed to be our color commentary folks. This guy right here is, <laughs> this is I don't, See color <clears throat> commentary. No, oh, come on. Oh my god. <laughs> That's why they pay me the big bucks. That's a dark story. That's it's a dark story. So, anyways, uh, this is where I gotta get I gotta get more serious here. Yeah, right, right, right. Here we go, here we go. Ready? So the girls were kidnapped by this tribe and they were used for labor, such as collecting wood and stones, and they were used for harvesting crops into like water. And fortunately, they were both beaten and raped regularly. Um, so it was, they were tortured. They were tortured slaves uh, under this tribe who kept them. Um, why just those two? We're not totally sure. Uh, but they were kept alive, obviously in terrible conditions. And Olive described this period as so traumatic, she was numb the entire time. So she, I mean, people would ask her about it and she barely remembers a lot because it was just, she was so numb from the amount of trauma. And this continued for about a year until one day a group of Mohave, uh, which is a tribe that frequently traded with these Apache Indians. Um, they arrived and noticed the girls. And so they were like, well, that's interesting. Um, we want those. So they'd start trading them a bunch of goods, uh, several horses, a ton of food and blankets. <clears throat> and it worked. So they got the girls, the Mohave. And these this tribe was a lot more uh, prosperous, a lot more developed. They had a lot more technology and they were a lot, kinder to the girls is it mohave or mojave i think it's the mohave but um mojave i think it's mohave i don't know either way the girls were initially mm-hmm. treated bad you know abuse again but this changed mm-hmm. uh pretty quickly it changed 
because they met the head chief of the tribe, who is this guy was a lot more compassionate, real nice guy. And his wife and daughter were very sympathetic to the sisters. Um, for whatever reason, they met the girls and felt bad for them and wanted them to be treated nicely. So yeah, they talked to the chief and he was like, all right, let's hook him up. So he got them some, they got their own little farm house. They got to live in this house. Uh, they had some neighbors that were really nice and they had farmland and they were given resources to grow their own crops. So, I mean, they're still being held captive, but they were at least had like nicer conditions and were being beaten and raped. So the girls learned the culture pretty quickly, and then they assimilated into the tribe. So these girls got tattooed on their face, uh, and it looks like a Thanos tattoo on their chin, basically. It's a couple lines that run down their chin in blue ink. And the reason was that was supposed to be a formal way of making them official members of the tribe. Uh, So now they're being treated pretty normally. The girls, they didn't want to be there, but they felt kind of pressured and threatened. Like they, They felt like if they tried to leave, they'd be killed or tortured or whatever uh so they and it got really complicated because some of the girls had really good relationships they were close friends with a lot of the natives in this group and they were treated well but they were still being held against their will so it got it became this really complex dynamic relationship they had three years into their time with the mohave or mojave or mohave mohave Nah, I don't know because I didn't do the research on pronunciation, as you guys may know. You never do. <laughs> uh, a major drought hit this area, this region, because they're in the desert, obviously. Uh, maybe don't live in the desert. <clears throat> Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> Always comes back to that. Yeesh. So a drought hits and it causes a serious famine that killed about a third of the tribe. And this included uh, Olive's 10 year old sister, Marianne. So just one snap of the fingers and half of the sisters who live. Nice. Really good. That's good. It's a Thanos joke. Come on. I know. But these are real. Come these on. are real people. So tragedy. Real tragic. People, yeah. Tragic. Anyways, Olive survived, though, uh, thanks to the kind treatment of the daughter of the chief, who had, she had befriended, and they believed she was sneaking Olive food um, that they still had. But I guess... You think they snuck her olives? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, this is what we're looking to call your commentary. He gets paid no money. <laughs> no money. Neither do I, so. Nah. Furthermore, uh, <laughs> he did it again. I, 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 that's my thing. Longtime fans of this week's <laughs> unsung episodes. We have picked up on a new no, he's theme. Done furthermore, like some, <laughs> some, uh, you know, yeah, some town crier from the Middle Ages. <laughs> Monsieur. All right, so now we're moving about a year later after her sister dies. We're uh, looking at this place called Fort Yuma, which is in Arizona, and it's a nearby U.S. military base. Well, the members of this base had heard rumors that uh, Olive was being captive here. So they contact this guy named Francisco, who is a Native American who works as a messenger. He knows all the different tribes in the region, communicates between them all. And he also knows he speaks English and he knows the, the U.S. feds. So he starts communicating between the two groups for them and um, negotiating. He's running these negotiations. Well, the tribe denies even having her at all, but he proves it to them. He actually is able to go and take a piece of her clothing and proves it. <laughs> so then they began negotiating for money and resources. Like, okay, yeah, we do have her, but we're going to need some big money if you guys want her back. Big money. Well, the U.S. government being you know the most powerful military uh, on earth, even at this point in time. It wasn't at this point in time, but, you know, they were still very powerful. They're like, well, 
Um, we're not going to give you guys money. We're just going to kill you all if you don't give her to us. So, hey, they, typical U.S. <laughs> fashion. Because the tribe was like, "We'll we'll give her up. We just want some money and food in exchange." And the the no. military said, "Well, no, right? we'll just kill you all." That's not how it's yeah, going to we'll happen. Kill yeah. your entire tribe if you don't give her. So they they were convinced by this. They said, "All right, deal." <laughs> that was really good. we accept the terms. Right. Acting like they won. Deal. Like they got that exchange. <laughs> <laughs> so this was uh, Rick Harrison right, ass. Right. So this was convincing enough. They gave her over. They went on a twenty day journey, traveling hundreds of miles to get to Fort Yuma, and they drop her off. And when she gets there, there's this massive crowd cheering for her because her story it made national headlines at this point. It was such a crazy story um, that the whole country kind of rallied around to come see it. So not that unsung. <laughs> uh, well, today nobody really remembers this. Right, right. right. But uh, she was un- she ended up being reunited with her brother Lorenzo, which was a nice little caveat, if that's what you want to call it, or just a really heartbreaking thing. And that was a great little nice part. Anyways, so uh, this pastor comes along, um, who's very interested in her story. His name's Royal B. Stratton. This guy writes her biography after uh, interviewing her for several months. And he sold 50,000 copies, which in today's number is, um, it's below mediocre, yeah. But at that time, it was uh, the best-selling book. And it, all the proceeds that he made from it, actually, he gave to Olive and Lorenzo. And they used it for their own college education. And uh, they actually then established with the remainder, because they had so much money from this, they used the remainder of it to start a scholarship fund that still actually exists today, believe it or not. Can I apply? Uh, probably not. I think it's for, uh, I don't know, Mormons. I don't know. Anyways, <clears throat> Olive would later travel to New York in her adulthood where she met up with friends that she actually made in the tribe who were still alive and had kind of assimilated into American culture because, you know, they wiped out most of the tribe. The American assimilation yeah, machine, right. baby. So she actually met up with them. Horrible. Sometimes. And she, Sometimes. it was kind of a public thing. She forgave them and she reestablished their friendships, which I thought was sort of a little interesting tidbit. A little caveat, uh, if you want to call it that. Further, furthermore. Furthermore. So she eventually married a cattleman and then they got, uh, well, they got married. <laughs> And then moved to Texas. Oh, they got married yeah. after they, yeah, got, after they got married. Yeah, she married a cattleman and they got married. <laughs> and they moved to Texas and they adopted a child. And then uh, in 1903, at the age of 65 years old, Olive dies of a heart attack. But, um, you know, it, she got to live the rest of her life. She escaped this tribe. You really let the heart attack sink in there for a split second. Right. Well, I mean. <laughs> died of a heart. But it still is a happy <laughs> story in a sense that she was able to still live a fulfilling life after you know, it's it's a good thing she that. adopted and didn't have a kid because if she was pregnant, they would have called her a stuffed olive. Oh my! God. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Ladies uh. gentlemen. yes, Netflix. I'll take my thirty minute special anytime. So there's a town now in Arizona called uh, Oatman, Arizona, named after her and the family, which I thought was a nice little thing. It's actually it was a ghost town for a while, but then they I actually had oatmeal for breakfast this morning. I did too, dude. No way. What? So, uh, yeah, they named the town after. Anyways, uh, I'm going to wrap this one up here, folks, because I have a meeting to go to. (laughs) Olive Oatman was a young girl of a big, adventurous Mormon family. She fell victim to a brutal massacre, was enslaved for several years, faced abuse and rape, and witnessed her sister die of starvation. 
She bared the permanent marks of the captives with whom she developed a very complex relationship. She fought for her life, and she survived to tell the story of a life we can never truly understand. You think Olive Oatman? Eh. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. Oh, fun fact, guys: we almost didn't have an episode five or six out this week. <laughs> Why not? Because you <laughs> didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening to Unsung. We'll be back next week with two new stories or one new story, maybe. Who knows what's going to happen? Because production is hard, guys. Be sure to subscribe True. if you like the show and leave us a review to let us know what you think. Unsung is researched written by Ryan Muskin, original production, original music by Lee Dermot. <laughs> Uh, be sure to check out episode seven. <laughs> uh, yeesh. Awesome. Bye. <laughs> okay.